Brandon, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been, uh, let's see, we're pre-recording, uh, we pre-record our podcasts and we're not ashamed of that. Um, so this is actually going to... It's going to come out next week. Next week. Yes. So we're a week behind, which means it'll be two weeks since I got back from the beach. That's right. And that was, we were out and we actually went to North Myrtle Beach and the weather was fantastic. Uh, we had fall really move in across the southeastern United States uh, and definitely... Probably closer to winter up north, yeah, on the eastern side. So it was, it's good, and so um, we're we're recording our podcast today. The title being, dun, 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 dun. what's the title today? Beth? It's industrial automation. It doesn't have to be unsecure, right? And so this is a um, this is kind of a continuation. Uh, we mentioned in our last podcast, which which had to do with IoT. Um, we got a lot of great feedback on that podcast, by the way. Um, thank you very much for all of the feedback and for all the downloads. And then the podcast before our very first one, where we were talking about our pre-engineered, uh, cells, robot cells and, and, and servo actuators, um, uh, got a lot, a lot of downloads on that as well. And a lot of, a lot of good, uh, feedback. So, uh, sounds like you guys are enjoying it and getting something from our podcast, so we're happy about that. Yes, thank you very much for downloading and listening and sharing. We appreciate it. So do you want to kind of go over what we're talking about today, Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so today is, is well, first of all, yes. it stems from our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, we referenced that as far as coming in the cybersecurity side of IoT. You can't do IoT without, well, you can't really do anything in manufacturing without considering, at least to a certain point, uh, cybersecurity. Um, and that's true with email phishing and uh, news. That stuff's been around forever. We, we've all been in situations where probably, unless you're new to the industry and new to email and new to IT departments, IT departments are always saying, don't click on the link if you don't know who it's from, don't open it if you don't know who the attachment's from, that kind of stuff. So that's the basis of cybersecurity. But now we've it's expanded into the industrial Internet of Things space. And so this is, a again, a continuation or more of a deep dive into the cybersecurity from our discussion last podcast on just general IoT methodologies. Um, but also, this is a expansion based upon, and I think we mentioned it last yes. last time as well, uh, an interview that I was privileged to be part of uh, with Food Engineering uh, Magazine. Uh, Mr. Wayne Labs uh, did a, a piece uh, on a group of us and decided I was interesting enough to expand mm-hmm. out a little bit on my viewpoints and experiences. And so that's what we want to kind of build upon, right? That's right. Yeah. And the article that uh, Brandon's referring to is called Keeping Machines and OT Networks and IT Safe from Cyber Attacks. And I assume we'll have a, we'll have a, a link, link to it. Absolutely. To Absolutely. The other thing, uh, just for you on your things to do, in the first podcast, we talked about the um, two minutes to data video. Yes. And I don't know that we ever got that. It's posted, however, the name 
was changed a couple uh, last year, and that's oh. why the date on YouTube is 2019 because I was requested to change it um, from like connecting PLCs to SQL databases, something oh, like I that. See. So that's what it's called. But the link is there in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah, uh, as well as all the acronyms. Yeah, the acronym one. <laughs> yeah. I really like the acronym one, uh, and uh, got a lot of feedback on that uh, as far as the acronyms from the last one. So ERP and MES and those kind of things. So IoT. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, I had a lot of people who who know me well, specifically point out that I use a lot of acronyms. So I'm gonna try not to use as many acronyms today without, at least not without explaining. Uh, so. Uh, it was a fun podcast and the feedback was fun and the comments were fun. And yeah. so it just gives me more things for us to, for me to think about as far as presentation. So that said. All right. So we're going to kind of, before we kind of dig into the topic of cybersecurity in the food and beverage industry, Brennan, tell us about an experience you had in a plant that impacted your way of thinking regarding cybersecure systems. Hmm, that's a good question. One. <laughs> Just one. Uh, well, well, luckily, there's none. Oh. I, I have not specifically been directly part of any cybersecurity attack. Now, maybe that's luck. Maybe it's... But I think it's, it's, it's having had the privilege to work with a lot of folks and and that were part of those projects and being open to concerns when it came to cybersecurity. The other thing is we were using the device I developed, which has cybersecurity in mind. And so I think that that doesn't protect you from cybersecurity, but it takes away the risk uh, such that if it occurs on one network, it should not propagate to the other. And in those cases, when, when, I come from the OT side of things. My background is OT. OT, sorry, operational technology. That's uh, thank you. Uh, another acronym. That's uh, that's the PLC side. That's the plant floor side. My background is engineering, uh, controls engineering uh, specifically. Uh, so PLC programming, robot programming, and systems integration and things of that nature. That's where I began. Uh, motion control systems, we talked about that in the previous podcast. Uh, so for me, a cybersecurity occurrence, and this isn't probably correct, but this is the truth. It, it, I view it more so on how did it affect the OT side of things versus the IT side of things. Because on the IT side, the IT informational technology, that's the that's the main business systems usually. That's the actual connection up to the enterprise resource planning or ERP system. We talked about that in our previous podcast. That's that's everything that keeps the business going. Those types of vectors are uh, entry points are again clicking on a link, a phishing link from an email, and those kind of things. So that we have zero control over, okay. right? Uh, so I guess I IT's got their hands full enough on that with all the malware, the virusware, and all that kind of stuff. So as far as when I say impacted by a specific cybersecurity issue uh, that, that I have experienced, what I have experienced is the aftermath. Okay. Um, and, and, and usually I'm there because they're asking me, would your product have fixed this? Or they've skipped past that and they're like, get in here. we got to make sure this doesn't happen again. Again, not that not that the iota or the, its precursor, the data commander, 
is a cybersecurity device. It's just designed so that the propagation from one network, IT, to OT, and I've already explained it, so I get to say <laughs> or OT up to IT, those, that propagation across the networks, if you're separating the networks uh, with our device, is more likely not to occur. Okay. So everything that I've dealt with is usually the after effects. So, so should I go in? Let me go into one of those. Yeah. So the best, the best example of why this is a big deal. Um, because I guess because this hits home, because I would have done the same thing. There was a time in my life before Data Commander that I would have done the same thing. And that is, as a controls engineer, we just need to move the data. And that's it. We're moving the data. It's working. We could care less. We've checked the box. We've moved on. And and we, we, we didn't always give respect or respect to the cybersecurity aspects. And so if there's a PC involved, which is how we used to do it, um, we're running our software. We're doing all of our stuff. The answer was uh, we're just not going to connect it. Uh, and so in that situation, the PCs that were along the lines were not connected. Well, connected is relative. Connected means not connected to the outside world. But in this specific plant, the the production lines had evolved into multiple lines, so multiple PCs on the lines, and they really all kind of need to be on. We were using a network for this one, and then we needed another network and another network. Not we, they. They needed another network and another network and another network. And so they created a specific network that was its own isolated network, not connected to the outside world. Okay. Uh, that was for their production network. And then that production network needed to span to another plant and other plants. And so they began to do uh, IT tricks to make that happen. But still, that network was totally closed other than, you know, onto itself. Okay. And what occurred was uh, some, I don't know exactly... I think it was maybe a thumb drive or an infected PC or something like that was introduced to that network. It might have been through a non-employee. It might have been through a contractor uh, or something like that. Um, and it was probably totally, totally innocent. I'm not talking about somebody trying to bust the door down and industrial espionage and cloak and dagger and that yeah. kind of stuff. I'm talking about somebody that just happened to take a PC that was was connected, that was unknowingly infected, and connected in on this other network. Well, here's the here's the thing. Here's the travesty. And man, this this hits home. I would think this myself at, at, at a point years ago. Um, it's not on the internet, so nobody can get to it unless they come into this building. Yeah. True. All those all that's true. That was true in this situation. But in this case, they took a step further and said the reason my network is so slow is because of this pesky. Uh, pesky firewalls are keeping me from connecting, so I'm going to disable all the firewalls. Oh. The virus packages that came on the computer, we're going to uninstall those because they take processing time. Any malware and stuff like that, we're not even going to install it because we don't need to. Because it's separate. Because it's separate. It's not connected to the outside world. That's right. Okay. And and what occurred, and again, I wasn't there for this. I was just hearing about the aftermath was when that virus, it was a virus, when that virus got into that network, there was nothing 
to stop it. And it's like a human body with no immune system. Oh, it wow. was running and it jumped from plant to plant. I mean, literally, it was panic mode when they figured out what oh. was going on. And it was just nailing all these PCs and infecting them. Uh, and replicating and infecting and replicating. It was just... Because they didn't have the firewalls or the malware. Or none, none of that was in there. Nothing. Oh Absolutely nothing. No immune no immune system whatsoever. Oh, wow. And so it literally was spreading like wildfire. Um, so that's the wrong way to do it. But honestly, I, we years ago, early in my career, that's what we did. Yeah. It wasn't... You know, of course, we're we're not in an I, IoT age. We're not in this age of connectivity and remote monitoring and all the things of that nature. Then we weren't like we are today, and and so it, it hits home. That's certainly something that could happen. But again, those were PCs that were involved. Yeah, not PLCs. I gotcha. Yeah. So. So how have uh, cyber attacks evolved over the years? Well, now... <laughs> it's sophisticated, aren't now, they? <laughs> well, now the hackers, and it's actually not now. We we talk about it. I talk about it as if it's now. You've heard me brought, bring up Stuxnet. A lot of people in the controls industry knows know about Stuxnet, but that was 10 years ago. Wow. It was 10 years ago. Uh, Stuxnet was the first PLC-specific virus. Now, it had to run in a PC environment. Uh, It was targeting Siemens, in this case, Siemens PLCs on their S7 uh, series. And and then once it found it, it jumped PC to PC, looking, looking, looking. And once it found it, it took advantage of some of the libraries that were there, I think. I think's the way it worked. But it it had online access to the PLC. That means we can make programming changes without interrupting the process. So on-the-fly changes. It began to make these changes. And ultimately... um, I, th- I think it was uh, I think it was some centrifuges that were involved, but ultimately uh, oversped them. I don't know if it happened like you know cooking a frog, you know they oh slowly <laughs> slowly or or if it happened all at once. But um, but it certainly changed this these these registers. Now that kind of an attack to me seems a bit more calculated. There's tons. I mean, this is ten years ago, so there's tons of conspiracy theories about that. That actually happened. To I uh, think it was an Iranian uh, plant there uh, making nuclear weapons, and so there's all kinds of fodder that you can see on the internet, and all the 2020 is a conspiracy theory laden <laughs> year. Just go ahead and add that one to your pile if you're if you're short. Um, but but it does seem like it would need to be a very specific attack because you would need to know, and a lot of controls engineers out there would agree with this. You would need to know. Um, what I mean, you've got addresses, but if there's nothing at that address, you're wasting time. So you need to know what addresses you're getting to and things of that nature, especially when you're talking about a specific address that controls speed or something along those lines. So well, I've always looked at that as being a specific targeted approach. Um, but, but as far as how they've evolved, uh, the PLC slash OT side is being discovered by a lot of these would-be hackers. Okay. And that is a, I believe, is a fact because I'm seeing more about that than ever before. Okay, okay. That was going to lead me to my uh, one of my other questions here. <laughs> uh, yeah, the traditional thinking was that the focus was on the IT 
enterprise side, but mm-hmm. recent news report shows that the OT side's vulnerable. Uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah, no, no question that it's that it's more vulnerable. In fact, I, w- I was reading, I was reading a blog. I don't know why it popped up. Eh, I do know. Uh, I get Twitter feeds from from some some resources for and some crazy stuff. Matter of fact, I've got my PC here. Uh, this has nothing, hopefully nothing to do. Um, but it, uh, I'll do a shout out to these folks. I, I assume that's cool for me to do. Absolutely. Uh, I, I follow a, a group called Threat Post uh, at Threat Post, and uh, they send out these tweets that scare the crap out of me all the time. But this one just came out last week. It's called a variant of uh, a malware called Interplanetary Storm. Uh, now, Interplanetary Storm is a malware. I don't, I'm not sure what it does. Um, um, if you know, uh, good for you. Uh, shoot us a comment and let us know. But uh, I'll look into this. But uh, it says that it's building, and this is the this is the tweet. So you know, a headline can be misleading. But these guys are are pretty good. Uh, a new variant of the interplanetary storm malware is building a botnet, building a botnet with a current estimated 13,500 infected Android and Mac machines. Wow. So I looked into that a little bit, but I haven't as much as I want to, but I kind of don't want to because that sounds, that's like a holy crap kind of thing. Because if they're doing what I think they're doing, a botnet is now taking more than just one resource and infecting it. It's infecting all of these resources, and then they can work together. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know if that's... Threat post, if you're listening, let me know if that's what, what if I'm if I'm interpreting that correctly, and I need to do more than just read the headline. But but nevertheless, uh, these types of, of tweets I, I get, and I, I monitor and see because I'm interested in them. Uh, but uh, but I was was and maybe it was when I was kind of looking into this thing. I ended up onto another website. I'm sorry, I can't remember the website, but it was a hacker's website specifically at least this section was this blog was specifically uh targeted to ot devices and and so plcs are not safe targets anymore uh the most of us most of us i'm older Most of us controls guys know how to program PLCs, robots, but we wouldn't know how to take advantage of the PC side of things and that type of a, of a threat. I don't. Uh, I'm not. That's not my expertise. But in talking with some of our own developers and tell, talking to them about this article and whatnot, you know, I actually held back. Yeah, you did. Yeah. It, uh, those. Uh, a couple of our developers said, hey, now, this might be giving away a little too much information exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and I was concerned about that, too, because I would, I, would, mm, I would guarantee that there is a vulnerability that's not really a vulnerability. It's just a fact of how we set things up traditionally, that with very little effort, someone with that knowledge could shut down an entire plant in a matter of seconds. Wow. Uh if they get onto the OT network and have access to all the PLCs. Oh my goodness. Has automation technology opened the door to, or has that door been, or always been open? Well, yes. And yes, but not as much as, as far as keeping the door, has the door been opened? The, hmm, the door has been open. 
but not as much. Okay. So, uh, um, I think the reason is because connectivity wasn't as big a deal. Okay, okay. Uh, it was actually, do, do you, this is rhetorical, because I'm going to tell you, do you, our listeners out there, know when IoT really got its traction? And now this is, this is Brandon's version. I believe that because before 2009, 2010, the downturn, we didn't have a term of IoT. We referred to MES, we referred to manufacturing execution systems, we referred to SCADA systems and things of that nature, but we didn't have this IoT. Uh, IoT, of course, began as wearables and smartphones and smartwatches and all that kind of stuff, uh, but industrial IoT was not a thing. All the stuff that we were doing at that point as far as connectivity and, and really capturing data was heavily part of the quality assurance or the quality department. Okay. And the quality department's using that just to check their processes and check their parts and those kind of things, which they still do. Um, but to put this in my perspective, as far as budgets go uh, and spending, the quality department would get so much money budgeted just like any other department, and they're not they're not going to have these huge budgets to go out and implement what we now call IoT just to get their check the product, check the process confirming type data. Oh, they had to have more reason to do that. That's right. Okay. But in 2009, as anybody who was working there in 2009 remembers, there was a downturn, a specific huge downturn uh, that affected Probably everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were losing their jobs like crazy. Uh, the housing market was in shambles. Uh, everything was just all to pieces. And um, now, not that 2020 has been much different, but this was directly affecting manufacturing. And, and quite honestly, what I feel like is that at that point, uh, two things had to happen from the business or the plant management standpoint just to survive was people were losing their jobs or getting laid off because they didn't have... They couldn't pay them. They didn't have the production requirements and stuff. So they need to figure out how to produce more with less people. Okay. Um, they needed to get efficient is what they okay. needed to do. Okay. And so suddenly uh, they're like, well, wait a second. How does our processes work? And they go, well, who's got the data? And they go to the quality department. The quality department says, well, this is what we've got. And they're like, well, that's good. But that really has to do with how, you know, repeatable our process is or something like that, but how good is our process? Because they were looking at usually specific machines or specific processes and not the entire plant process. And so suddenly management's involved and they decide where the money's spent and they just just inserted, injected a ton of money. And that, of course, is when I started getting more into IoT, kind of thrust into IoT at that point as far as doing programming and things of that nature, making these dissimilar systems talk because what came from that in 2009. And um, and so that's where I think it was born because it had money. It had okay. funding. And it has exploded into a huge, huge industry, uh, probably extremely saturated industry. But uh, that said, um, it, prior to 2009, were the capabilities here? Well, sure. PLCs are PLCs, and they've been doing this. I said, you know, last, in the last podcast, 70s. we've been doing this. Yeah, they've been around since the late 70s, and, and PLCs have a platform for capturing data. They can do that, and we've been doing that specifically probably for more than two decades. But the push 
to utilize the data, which is the digitalization that we talked about in the last podcast, that push has really happened since the 2009-2010 era. So really over the last 10 years, it has grown, I think, probably around 2012 to 2016 was a real big push. And then 2016 on, uh, it kind of changed a little bit because the at least in the United States, because manufacturing was really good. Um, there was a lot of, you know, unemployment rates were low until mm-hmm. 2020 and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And so I think you get to a point where it's kind of like, well, life is good. We, that, that whole push. People. Yeah, that's okay. right. It, it's easier to hire someone and, and keep this process kind of the same than worry about the efficiencies uh, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think that, but, but, but the connectivity was already there. So a lot of the potential uh, entryways into the system are there, the okay. risk. Okay, okay. So I, I think that it's always been there, but I think it's now been funded so much more that it's there even more so. Okay, okay. Well, in your interview with uh, Wayne Labs, uh, he's the senior technical editor for Food Engineering Magazine, mm-hmm. you said that uh, food and beverage is as critical, if not more, than pharmaceutical when it comes to the potential harm that could result from a malware ransomware infection. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I did make that statement, and 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 I guess the reason that I, of course, there's there's two there's two sides to that coin as far as risk potential harm. The malware ransomware infection, which is what Wayne was focused on, because we're seeing a lot of ransomware suddenly. It's big business. It is. Um, but also the malware and what can it do if it's not a ransomware type thing. Okay. Is kind of how I look at that. Uh, basically, do I feel like it's more critical uh, than than pharmaceutical? I mean, I don't want to take away from the criticality of pharmaceutical. Oh, yeah. Um, we all, when we put a you know, an aspirin in our mouth or in our child's mouth, we want to, we want to believe that it's the ingredients are there and they're within safe limits and things of that nature. And that's why we don't want that to be screwed with. We we want those quality aspects and those repeatabilities and everything. But did you eat or drink anything today? I did. I had uh, some pasta for lunch. It was delicious. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I had my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, good for you. Um, uh, but as far as medication, you may not have taken as no. many, no medication. So Mm-mm. some of us, luckily, uh, don't have to take a lot of medication, but every day we eat and yeah. we drink. And um, since we're not all running out to the garden and pulling our stuff out, farm to table and you know, drinking from the spring and stuff like that, we're we're going and buying food, purchasing food, and we're keeping the food and beverage industry alive. Uh, and supporting them very well. The United States probably too well, but me <laughs> sp- specifically. Um, but uh, that, that's why I think that it, it, it needs to be respected because, and again, I said the two sides of the coin, from a ransomware standpoint, of course, if you launched a ransomware... The people would it, know immediately because they're going to ask for the money, right? That's the way... Typically. I, well, not that not that know. I'm a ransomware guy, but uh, <laughs> that's what I would think. <laughs> but um, um, not that I'm a ransomware person, but uh, that's my understanding okay. is that ransomware happens pretty immediately. Uh, it captures something. Now, usually, it captures what it captures is like a data file or or a connection to a database server or something. I guess you know something on on a PC or a, or a server. 
that's worth something. It's got to be worth some money. Yeah, you're, you're hoping, I guess, <laughs> yeah. if you're the, the person that it's worth something. And you lock it down. Usually it locks down a, a single PC uh, that I've seen, a single PC or something along those lines. It just kills the PC. The scariness, and this is where our developers told me, lay off. The scariness is, what if instead you can start ransoming ransoming things that are not on the PC, but on the PLC, the OT side? And, and that's where I get concerned about the ransomware, because I feel like that it is possible uh, to, to, to utilize a ransomware that may be PC-born, but that can ransom things. And I'm saying things is in, in Internet of Things, industrial Internet of Things, a thing can be a PLC or robot controller, any of these controllers, industrial controllers, and, and then ask for a ransom. So that could shut down a line. It could yeah. shut down a whole section of lines. It could shut down an entire plant, multiple plants, potentially. It's according to what's out there and how it enacts. Okay. And that, of course, could could grossly affect the food and beverage industry if if it's you know, it caused food prices to jump and all kinds of stuff if plants are shutting down. But the malware side of thing scares me even more. The malware, but because of Stuxnet, because Stuxnet was not ransomware. It was sneaky, wasn't it? Yeah, it was changing things. And so, if the malware is able to uh, detect things that are changing, uh, back ten years ago, we did not you in PLC programming. We used addresses, and so we knew. Usually, you could infer to a point what the address may be as far as a valid address. But you had no idea what it was connected to or doing in the programming unless, I don't know how you would make a computer program sniff. Because even as a programmer, you have to upload it, look at it, scratch your head a little bit and figure out what the guy who wrote the program was figuring out what it was was doing. Um, But we are more tag-based today. And by tags, meaning that we don't have just a, a memory area that's some type of either hex uh, address or, or binary address or some kind of uh, symbology uh, per the, the manufacturer of the PLC. It's actually a name. And so variable names could be scanned, used so to see. Is if, a variable a tag? A tag is a variable. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, so an address in a PLC is where you either can write a number, read a number, things of that, na- okay. that nature. Number, string, all these things are just variables, numbers. Okay. Um, and so uh, a tag uh, is probably, uh, probably I attribute, we would attribute that to Rockwell Automation. They, I think they may have invented the term tag. Maybe not. I don't know who invented it. But it's, it's basically saying instead of a specific piece of memory that is specific to this manufacturer, okay. they allow you to name it. As a variable name, which means it's variable, it changes, you can read and write to it. Okay. Um, but a tag name. So I don't know if, if if that would make it easier, but if you started scanning tag names, because tag names are usually abbreviations, so still there's a little bit of weirdness there. But if you could, someone could figure out how to go in and actually change data, uh, find a data table, find a recipe. Um, and some some systems actually have recipe tools that are known to be recipe tools, so everything in them is considered a recipe. And if a malware just came in and started making modifications to that, it could be disastrous, especially if it wasn't picked up upon. Yeah. Um, suddenly now, just like the the aspirin, everything could be off and you ingest this and that bad stuff happens. Well, food and things of that nature. 
uh, could happen. I don't know. It, maybe it's me being overly concerned, but with some of the crazy stuff that I've seen, and maybe I need to stop reading some of these tweets, <laughs> but when I'm seeing a botnet with 13,500 infected machines that spans Android and Macs, and I think about all the anything Android is every cell phone that, that Samsung makes and yeah. uh, every Google-based stuff uh your your uh, and mac of course is phew, phones watches and computers and everything androids computers as well so uh you know that that's they're taking notice i guess is what yeah. i'm saying there's a and, and it presents a huge number of vectors okay okay speaking of vectors uh brandon you mentioned um po- points of entry or vectors uh by which malware and ransomware can uh, enter a system like with a thumb drive or putting a the com- plugging the com- an infected computer into the um, line. What are some other points of entry or vectors that can infect us? Well, I think I think USB okay. thumb drives, which you said, uh, is a is a big one, especially today. And, yeah, um, working from home. Yeah, we're kind of. I can't decide if we're coming off this COVID thing yet. Uh, I don't not, know. I don't know. Um, there's been some states that have. Their governors have announced that they've lessened the mask requirements and stuff like that on businesses and stuff. But I think as a population, hopefully a very intelligent population, I take a lot of pride in our population and and the populations of countries around the world. We have more data and we understand how this thing works. But still, I think we have, specifically, we have a lot of customers that are still working some from home and, and coming on site when needed. Uh, to be and they're working on systems their their stuff at home and then bringing that in so how do they bring it in do they bring their laptop from home move it from home to work does that fall outside of the uh, it cybersecurity requirements do they bring thumb drives from home to work you know is it looking into that and i'm sure that a lot of them are uh, but i wonder if all of them are yeah um so I'm not sure exactly how many of our customers are doing, but the most common, and probably the most non-secure, but the most common would be a thumb drive. So you work at home, you do all the stuff there on your home computer, which is heavily connected. It's not that it's not secure. You could have the most secure system in the world sitting at your house, but there are some that probably don't. They're not IT people, so they may not be worried about that. Remember, there was a time that... Even I would say, uninstall the virus stuff, turn off the firewall, um, because it's not connected. You know, oh. so if, if it's just not, IT people are there and they are what they are because of, of their makeup. And, and for those of us who aren't IT people, there probably is a reason why we, we don't have that makeup. And so, uh, I think the thumb drive is probably the most common, okay. uh, or bringing a, PC that's infected, unknowingly infected, into a plant. Uh, emailing yourself at oh, work. That's, okay. So if you email a file to work from your PC at home, it it falls under. Don't open this and, unless uh, we know about it. But if there is a if if there's malware in there, and again coming in that way. If you have a savvy IT department and it's a known malware, if it's a known malware, remember virus, the virus engines, the the malware, they only detect what's known. Oh, oh, okay. And when they find out about it, which means someone's the victim, oh, then they figure out 
oh, this is how we detect for this, and that's when get that, your updates. That's when you patches. get your updates. Okay, okay. And your definitions and all of that. So if it's known, they'll they'll they would grab it even though it's coming into your email. But if it's not known, then there's that caveat. But the second thing is they may not grab it. They may go with the stance of do not open an attachment from somebody you know you don't know who's sending it. Well, if you're if you sent it to yourself, yeah, wouldn't it be safe? Wouldn't it be safe? So again, maybe I'm I, I might be over overly concerned about some of this. I would love for uh, for an IT person. Uh, or a cybersecurity expert to be part of this, uh, maybe one day yeah. uh, we can bring someone on. But uh, uh, certainly, if you're on that side and you're like Brandon, you're you're just worrying over nothing. We got this. Then leave us a comment. I'd love to talk with you more about it and learn more about your your viewpoints on that. You know, at the end of the day, though, it comes down to to one thing. We talked about unplugging or disconnecting versus. Uh, being online, that kind of stuff, and and how those vectors, you're talking about the vectors of if you are unplugged, how do they come in? If you are protected, how do you still come in? Um, It really comes down to a risk analysis. We'll talk a bit more about that. But one of the primary vectors that I'm seeing, and, and, and you know, I said this, I alluded to this in our last podcast, and and in listening to it, I want to make um, a distinction. Uh, I use the term manufacturers, for different things. Yes. And so there's a manufacturer, like Elatech, like our company, mm-hmm. that manufactures IoT and MES products. There's also manufacturers that use our products. Uh, and then I put it in the same as the first category, manufacturers of IoT products, uh, that can also be a machine builder, which Elatech also is, but uh, uh, regionally. But... Um, but whether we're using Elatech products or someone else's products, and I'm not going to talk about specific IoT products uh, necessarily uh, to target anybody, but there are manufacturers of these products that are being used by by end-user manufacturers okay. that are manufacturing companies. Okay. Uh, not manufacturers of the products, but manufacturers of cars and food and all this other kind of stuff that are using those project products. And so... I've noticed that in the last podcast I use, and even in this interview, if you, when you read this, I'm sure everybody's going to read this interview, go out and read it, Food Engineering Magazine. Uh, I said, and I'm going to quote myself, I think, um, if I can find where it is, uh, I talked, no, I guess this, I'm not looking at the right one. I was talking about another vector being introduced by the 4G, 5G cellular Links. Oh, that's right. And and those links are being marketed. Oh, I'm going on a rant now because it makes me mad. They're being marketed and pushed by salespeople to the OT side of, 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 of the, primarily the OT side of the, the coin, the operational technology, the engineering, my people, the engineering people, uh, production engineers, to say, basically, your problem we, we can give you this dashboard, this cloud-based dashboard and all this kind of stuff. Now, some industries, it's not a big deal. But in a lot of industries, IT has said no to cloud-based servers or, or at least no to any cloud-based server that they are not managing somehow themselves. Okay. And remember, cloud-based is on somebody else's server and hosted is on your server uh, and at, at your location or one a location you own. Um, 
And by going cellular from the OT, from the operational, the plant floor, if you can get a cell signal, you can circumvent and go pass, bypass IT. Okay, okay. And get to a server that, that I, and I'm saying manufacturers as far as IoT product manufacturers, that, that the manufacturers of that 4G, 5G thing uh, has their cloud-based stuff and all that kind of thing. And I'm sure it's great. But it's it's bypassing all the security, is it not? It's bypassing plant security, which means it's introducing a vector. Oh. Now I'm gonna go I'm gonna go freestyle for just a second here. I assume it's still the largest, but I believe the largest data breach in history was about three years ago, three or four years ago, at Target. I remember. It affected. Yeah. My wife loves Target. It affected us. Um. It affected everybody who paid with some means of currency other than cash. Mm-hmm. So how did it happen? Well, Target, as I understand it, Target had all of their HVAC systems for all, every Target across the United States, I guess. Or and that's their heating and, heating and air, air, isn't yeah, it? Heating and ventilation central air. What does that have to do with... Right. <laughs> they had that all on a network, and they had employed a company to monitor it for energy efficiency and stuff like that using their means. They would, uh, kind of like a machine builder would do, Okay, they could remote in and see what's going on and make changes and adjust. I don't know. I'm not an HVAC person, but dampers and flows and static pressures, whatever they're doing, they're, they're managing the system and also monitoring it for maintenance, for scheduled maintenance. Um, and I'm sure uh, for energy efficiency and things of that nature. So there's that. Meanwhile, they have their cash register system, their point of sale system, which at the time had not been upgraded from Windows XP. Oh. But Windows XP had been, um, basically support had been dropped by Microsoft and they had moved on. Uh, I don't know where we were, but they had moved on. So we're probably, we're well into Windows 7, unfortunately into 8, and then... Maybe even into 10. I guess we were. Yeah, if it was three years ago. I can't remember how many years ago. Time goes fast when you get old. Um, But it was three to five years ago, let's say. The vector, as I understand it, was uh, someone's computer technician or something like that, or username and password, somehow had gotten stolen. It was unknowingly stolen. And so that means that they, um, going, who kept their cell phone on during the podcast? I don't know. I didn't even bring mine in here. Yeah. I guess it's me then. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, so the username and password for the HVAC system somehow was, was taken. And so they were able to, um, uh, they were able to get access into the network via that vector. Okay. Wow. Still, that's HVAC. Okay. Um, they started snooping around. They found Windows XP systems. They knew they were no longer supported. There's a lot of stuff online when something falls support that shows vulnerabilities. They knew of some vulnerabilities. They did some quick checking. You can probably use an ARP ARP table or something like that to figure out that this is, I mean, you can quickly say, look, what's out there? What is it? What operating system it is? Those kind of things. And so uh, they figured out what was going on. They, They installed some kind of malware unknowingly. And they realized it was point of sale. And so I think uh, that they did a small test first, and nothing was there to stop it. Oh. And so they rolled it out. Wow. And for two two to three months, that I think. wild. Yeah. It, it, every credit card swipe, every debit card swipe, including 
PIN numbers were being captured without anyone knowing. And why? Because of this HVAC deal. Now, I'm not saying, guys, cancel all your HVAC you know, contracts and your, <laughs> no. your machine build contracts and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying um, it's a vector. It presents a vector. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, remote monitoring and how to keep – is there a way to keep remote monitoring safe? Well, safe is always relative. Uh, secure is always relative. Um, actually, in that article – uh, I think one of the either our interview or the other article that went with it, I, I think I said that if anybody ever tells you that their system, uh, software, whatever it is, is 100% secure, walk away because there is no infinitely secure thing. Okay. Software or hardware. I just don't believe it. Um, even disconnected, we've shown that you can get in there. You may have to be on site, uh, but that that's what. You, that, so how can you how can you do remote monitoring and it remains secure? You know, I would say make sure your IT folks are involved. Okay, okay. Uh, I know that their their philosophy and the philosophy of production and production engineering uh, is not necessarily the same. Yeah, which leads me to my next thing uh, about OT IT convergence. And how for the only do, way to possibly do digital transformation is to converge those two networks. But is this the ideal? Well, I mean, that sounds good <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a marketing. <laughs> on a blog post for Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's convergence, but you can't, I think it, I don't think it's required to converge. Okay. I think it comes down more to connect, connecting. Okay. We talked about that again in the IoT. It's about connectivity. How can you do that securely? Uh, converging, to me, convergence is let's put everything, all your PLC and machine controls, let's make that, and all of your MES and your data management and everything like that, and let's stick it on one box. That box could be a PC. That box could be a PLC. There's a lot of PLC manufacturers that are trying to communicate directly with the clouds and things of that nature. I think that's a risk. Um, I think that is convergence, and I think that you leave yourself no, you leave yourself no places to check to make sure this is all right. Oh. That something's not going on that shouldn't. Something's something's not happening that shouldn't be happening. Okay. Uh, whereas connectivity, um, and I promise this is not a sales pitch, but it's just what I believe. That's why I designed it this way. Connectivity lets us have something in the middle that is able to see one network or see the other network, but will keep it from propagating. Okay. So there's a point of stoppage. So if you had a convert, uh, like the whole system's converged into one, there would be no, it, it could run rampant, the virus or malware ran rampant without any checks or balances? Well, th- yeah, I guess I guess I that's mean, a good way know. to put it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, the question is, is what's run rampant look like? Uh-huh. Uh and this comes back to the risk analysis. Okay. People have asked me before, and we've talked about this, Brandon, what, should we do cloud-based or not? And my response is, is, well, have you got anything, any data that's going to be going on that cloud that you don't care for other people to, maybe even hackers, to get, to oh. get access to? If that data is highly sensitive, if it's intellectual property, is if it's a HIPAA violation, if it's personal you know, social security numbers, you know, driver's license numbers, all the stuff you don't, we don't want people just getting, 
then probably you should do that in a hosted way, have an IT department kind of managing that. Cloud-based is not, I don't feel like, as secure as an IT, you know, some qualified IT managed hosted server would okay, be. Okay, okay. So how can manufacturers connect their OT and IT secure? Use an IOTA. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, the most successful implementations I've seen across, and this is not specifically with our products. There's there's other products out there, and 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 that's that's fine. There's other products out there, but despite that, despite that, I feel like ours is the best. The most successful implementations I've seen from a um, convergence, I guess you would say, but not. I don't want to say convergence. That's a term I don't want to use. Uh, from a uh, an efficient data transfer standpoint, and from a cyber secure standpoint has been when, and those and, and they're fairly rare, those rare occurrences where IT is sitting at the table along with production engineering and production management. Okay. And they're all saying, this is what's important to me, and and this is what I can do to help what's important to you be taken care of. Okay. And when they all work together and they all decide this, the, you know, the risk analysis is, is a conversation a lot of times, risk analysis is the IT department telling you what you can't do, and these are the rules, and end of discussion. Yeah. Or the IoT discussion on the data that we need is is coming down from upstairs and just kind of, you know, being bullhorned through to both IT and engineering and saying, figure it out, get it done. And it's not a, it, it's it's not a. A collaboration. Okay. And so, so I think the collaboration makes all the difference. Okay. Okay. So uh, what cybersecurity advice can you offer manufacturers and something that maybe they can implement immediately? I mean, I think the discussion part might be the best way to go. Well, the, the first thing, each each department has its wants. Okay. And its needs. So what are your needs? And let's just say wants as well. You know, wants and needs. Uh and then what does that require? So if it's all production engineering wants these things for whatever reason, or it could be IT's asking for these things because they need to tie it in with our ERP systems and things of that nature. They're being pushed for that. Or management in general is needing all these things. To have those discussions, but then look at the data and perform a risk analysis, a roundtable risk analysis to say, I'm okay, or we feel like that this this data is secure, or this data is not secure. So this is how we need to go about doing that. Don't wait until after the fact. Don't and 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 if you want to do a cloud-based system, don't. A lot of the the product manufacturing plants are encouraging, and this gets back to my rant. They're encouraging the production engineers and production management and those guys to do this, knowing that they are trying to get them to circumvent IT because they perceive IT as the problem. They're the ones with the rules. They're the ones that can't keep us. Well, hold on a second, guys. We've got a ransomware crazy, you know, windfall going on right now. Are they the bad guys? No, they're not. We have to work with them uh, if we're on the OT side or the production engineering or production unit management side. Um, It's very important. And so... The risk analysis, but also be very careful about jumping in with the 5G cellular deal because that vector is only as strong 
why did the HVAC password get put, you know, put out? Why did no one know that was happening? Because the, and, and then within your plant, go ask your IT manager, could something like that happen to us? If you had been the HVAC IT manager, would it have happened to you? And your IT manager is going to say, no way, because I would have done this, this, and this, and this. And that's probably true. It just happened to be a miss. They missed it. They missed something. We've all missed stuff. And, and it got out. And the vector happened, and it could not be controlled by Target because Target did not manage uh, that. Yeah, yeah. They hired this company to do that. And then the crazy thing is they didn't do anything to the HVAC system. It was perfect. <laughs> the efficiencies and the heat and air were working perfectly, but for the consumers that were going through... And you know, Target was felt. You know, they were. They, it was horrible. Yeah. They they knew it was horrible, and they admitted it was horrible. They wished it hadn't happened. Um, if it could happen to Target, and that's a huge company. Yes. So I mean, it just surprised me that it took a few months for somebody to even even notice that um, they were poking around in there. So. Well, and, and again. Would Target's IT department have allowed it to happen? I don't know. You know, they kind of did. But again, it wasn't malware. It wasn't a ransomware. It was malware, but it was specific to their system because they got access. That access is possible because you get a vector. And that's the other thing. These these uh, IoT product manufacturers or these remote monitoring product folks on the OT side, uh, oh, yeah, you can use our stuff to remote in and get logged on to the PLC and start making program changes. Well, who who has that login information? <laughs> who Who's controlling that? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, those are the things that I think need. So let's go ahead and wrap up. We're, we're rolling in just uh, just about to an hour. Okay. So um, just well, a quick recap. Yeah. Well, first of all, can I uh, give a big shout out and thank you to CSIA, the Control Systems Integration Association and Food Engineering Magazine for uh, giving Brandon the opportunity to share his experiences. And so thank you guys for that. So let's do a quick recap of what well, we've gone over today. Let me, let me plug that. Okay. So that's, that's Julie. Uh, is that right? Julie. Julie mm-hmm. And, and, and Wayne, of course Lisa. Lisa, yeah. Uh, we work with a lot. And then Wayne Labs over at, at, at Food Engineering. Yeah, they've, so they've all been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much for that opportunity, guys. Uh, and CSIA, hey, if you're buying, if you're hiring a, a systems integrator, and they're not a member of CSIA, you need to ask yourself, is this the ones I need to go with? <laughs> uh, because they're top-notch organization, and their members are top-notch as well. So IoT, what was the title again you gave us? Industrial automation. It doesn't have to be unsecure. So, uh, yeah, just the security. Uh, and I, appreciate, I really appreciate you talking about convergence, and we talked about convergence versus connectivity. That's a big deal. Um Risk analysis. Risk analysis, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just just converse, communicate. Yeah, yeah, bring everybody to the table that's involved in it. All right. So I think what we want to do is we're going to have these every other week. So mm-hmm. uh, this will come out on um, October 13th. Is that next Tuesday? Uh-huh. And yeah. then um, we'll have one not that following week but the week after that yeah so um i really would uh, appreciate some people if you give have some a- questions about uh anything industrial automation related um just to uh, comment send us comments wherever you can you got to say there brandon well i think i think uh i'd like to hear we'd like to hear some of the things that are important to you all we've talked about a lot of topics and we've done a good job we've got plenty of topics to go through um 
coming up on the, the other stuff. But uh, if you have a particular item or topic that you would like to hear us discuss, uh, believe me, if I don't know, I'm going to tell you I'm not the guy to talk to. Uh, and we won't we won't uh, waste your time with that. But if we if I've had some experiences in that, just having done this for a long time uh, and I'm always open to sharing my opinions as well, <laughs> um, then certainly we would love to hear those uh, those those ideas. There's a lot of fantastic stuff. I don't want to discourage anybody because of cybersecurity concerns to not to not go for digitization and digitalization uh, in your plants because that is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want, uh, especially our customers we work with, we want to make sure that they continue to succeed, that they're empowered in what they do, uh, because that just brings about more jobs, more productivity, more more profitability and um and that just helps us all so mm-hmm. it keeps keeps us as a nation moving forward and so please uh you know reach out to us and start the conversation uh, what's the best way to reach out to us beth i think phone would be good 865-409-1555 right but we have our facebook page we do elitech yeah e-l-l-i-t-e-k and then we've got twitter and I think that's Elitech hyphen Inc. or Dashing, and then LinkedIn page. And Instagram. And Instagram. Which right. I'm no good at. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. And certainly uh, the same goes for the topics on that. If you, if you want to use one of those medias, uh, or call us. Tell us, hey, this is a topic we want to use. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, Beth. Thank you, Brandon. I hope you have a blessed afternoon. Thank you very much. See you guys. Thank you.